Well, good morning and welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. Is everybody ready to worship God this morning? You know, the Bible says in Psalms 9, it says, I will thank you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell you of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. And so this morning, we get to do all that. We get to sing praises to his name. We get to thank him for all those things that he's done. We get to go to him with whatever things are on our heart, and we get to lay them at the cross this morning because that's the God that's in front of us this morning. And so let's worship him this morning in spirit and in truth. So, Father, we come this morning and we say, you are going to be the center of our attention. Father, we truly want to make you the center of our attention right now. We want to thank you for all you've done, you've done, God. We want to give you glory because you're just such an amazing God. And so today, God, we will worship you in spirit and in truth. So let's worship him this morning. In Psalm 8, it, it, it says, You've taught children and nursing infants to give you praise. You know, we're in a society that believes that intellect is everything. And so because children have a, you know, they don't have the reasoning skills, sometimes we think they're not able to worship God because they don't understand as much as we do. And sometimes I think that's probably an advantage they have. So I just want to pray a blessing on the children right now. I want to bless bless you children that your spirits are every bit as awake as an adult spirit, if not more so. And that you are able to perfect praise. You're able to give God perfect praise. God, I pray right now that our children and our grandchildren are able to worship you with all their hearts. That they are able to have spiritual insights that are beyond what we have. We release them to be, to be mature in you. To be mature in you, in Jesus' name. So this is what I feel is being given to us this morning. The Lord wants to put his arms around you. And I'll tell you what that means. When we talk about the goodness of God and your circumstances, you feel guilty because you've been complaining about something for so long. You feel guilty because you've been in anxiety and worry over a situation in your life, you feel wrong. You feel that you've handled things wrongly. You feel that you've done things wrongly. But I feel that today the Lord is saying, I am bigger than all your mistakes. I'm bigger than the way you've been complaining. I'm bigger than the way that you feel guilty. I'm bigger than all the way that you've handled this wrong. And I would just embrace you. I would just put my arms around you and overshadow you with my goodness and overshadow you with my loving kindness. And all your mistakes and all your failures and all the obstacles that you have created in your life, I would just be bigger than that this morning. Oh, we say, Lord, you are a large God. We say you are a big God. We say you are bigger than my complaining. You are bigger than my whining. You are bigger than my anxiety. You are bigger than my worry. You are bigger than my guilt. You are bigger than my frustration. You are a large God. You are a large God. You are a large God. So, Father, when we're struggling with our finances today, we can declare that you are good. Father, when we're struggling with sin in certain areas and we
put ourselves down so much today, we can still say you are goods. And you can help change that, God. Father, where we see loved ones in our family who are still struggling in their faith journey. Today, Father, we can say you are goods. Father, where our hearts are hard, where our hearts are hurts, where there's issues, where there's problems today, we can still declare, God, that you are good. So, Father, today we say whatever our circumstances, whatever our situation is, God, we declare in the name of Jesus Christ today that you are good. So as a body today, I just feel we need to declare this. And so just on the count of three, let's declare that he is good. And I want you just to take whatever that situation is, and that's that very thing that you're declaring this over, that he is good regardless of whatever the situation is. So three, two, one. You are good. Once again, you are good. Forgive us, Lord, where we've listened to the lies of the enemy. And we've partnered with him in saying that you're not good, that you don't have our best intentions in mind, that when you discipline us, it isn't good. When we go through heartache, we declare that you've forgotten about us, but that's so far from the truth. Father, you are so good. We give you praise in Jesus' name. We do a Friday prayer in the morning, and we just are a family that has a lot of discussions together. And so there were some conversations that took place this week, and Pastor Mark just really felt that there were some people that needed to share a little bit today, and, uh, and just to declare what God had put on their hearts for some things. And uh, one of those people is going to be Murray McKinnon. Murray's not doing a full-blown message, but he has a bit of a testimony. He's, you want to do a full message? Okay, okay Murray's actually going to come up, and he's going to preach for 45 minutes. We're going to hold him to it. It might be 45 seconds, but we'll see what happens. What's that? He might cry for 10. Well, it's true, actually. Come on up, Murray. Uh, we're going to introduce him. Now, Murray, did you cry? Did you cry? Oh, actually, you know, I was thinking about that before, and I was thinking that um, just as we're worshiping God, and I was thinking about how he made me specific and different, and one of the things I do is I cry. And... <laughs> and and sometimes it's because the situation's sad. Sometimes it's because it's powerful, and I just feel what's, what's coming. And sometimes I, I cry for other people, but it's not the coolest gift. <laughs> but it's also a very important gift. And, and so that's kind of what I've learned through it, is that it's, it's, it's meaningful. Real man cry, right? It's true. You know, I have to tell a story about Murray real quick. Yes, it's going to happen. You know, I, you guys know I teach a program in the middle schools, and uh, when we first started the program, I think it was year number two, we were at Woodhaven, which at that time was the biggest public school in Spruce Grove, and Murray was one of uh, my heroes instructors, and he came in to help me teach, and so uh, we kind of shared, uh, you know, what we were going to be sharing that day, and so he went up to do his part, and I came and I sat down uh, at the teacher's desk beside the teacher, and I was just looking through some stuff, and Murray was sharing his story with the, the kids, and then all of a sudden, it was complete silence. And I was looking down still, and the teacher's pushing me like this. I'm like, what? And he goes, he's crying. He's crying. And I looked up, and I'm like, he is crying. And all the kids are like, he's crying. And it was just one of those moments, though, I remember coming up, and I remember just looking at the kids and saying, man, 
this is amazing, that he's sharing, you know, the story he was sharing about his journey and about his life, and that day he was sitting in a school sharing it. And, of course, the emotions came out, and it's, it's a moment I'll actually never forget because it was one of the most real moments I think those kids probably have ever seen. And so I bless the tears, right? I bless you to cry, and it is not something to be ashamed of. My wife tells me all the time, why don't you ever cry? So maybe you need, don't, uh, yeah, okay. So, anyways, Murray's going to share just uh, something that uh, God had spoke to him about. And then my wonderful wife, Jan's going to come up for a little while just to share. And then we're going to have a little pause, and then we want Ben and Janet to come for a bit. So I know we're going to go a couple different directions, but you guys welcome this. These guys are so awesome, and we want to hear from them, right? So, Murray, why don't you go first? All right. Um, So... um Jen had started, uh, she'd sent out an email for us to do a compassion self-assessment. And so there's a whole bunch of questions in there about how forgiving you are towards yourself, towards, you know, when you make mistakes and things like that. And I uh, finished the questionnaire and I was actually quite impressed. I, I did better than I thought. I'm usually pretty tough on myself. And so I was looking at it and just kind of Asking God, you know, like, it's come up from where it used to be. And uh, so he reminded me of a dream that he gave me about, um, about five years ago. And uh, God usually speaks to me through dreams because during the day my mind is usually really busy. And so I don't hear too well. And in my dreams, he, he makes it really simple. He, he does this, uh, I call it a Ferris Bueller moment. And for those of you who don't know the reference... Ferris Bueller was one of the movies, one of the first movies that came out where the movie would go along and then all of a sudden it would stop and the main character would look right in the camera and say, this is what's going on. Do you see this? And explain it. And so that's how God talks to me in dreams too. So <laughs> he'll lay out a dream for me and then he'll stop and he'll say, so you see, in this dream, my real mom was driving a minivan and I was in the passenger seat with her and I was trying to give her directions of how to drop me off at my foster parents' house. And uh, as we were going along, I'm like, okay, you got to turn here. And it's like, oh, oh, that, that was too soon. Sorry, I couldn't make that turn. And I was like, okay, we need to go this way. Oh, oh sorry, I, you know. And then down another street, and there was roadblocks. And then it was like, okay, we need to go this way. Oh, sorry, I can't. And then the dream just sort of faded out. And then God stopped, and he said to me, your mom didn't have the capacity to be the mother that you wanted her to be. And in a moment, I had so much grace for her. We had grown up. She had kind of wandered off when I was two. Didn't really see her until Christmas when I was eight. Then I heard from her once a year. And then when I was 18, she would start to phone me and ask for money. And then that went sideways. And then there was sometimes when... My brother lived with me, and she would phone our house, and she'd say, is Dwayne there? Not, hey, Murray, how are you? How's the grandkids? Nothing. And so I had this tension there, and uh, I had two veins of thought in that. One was it was my fault, which I carried a lot of, and one it was her fault. Because as kids, we, we think our parents operate at a full capacity, We think they always know what they're doing. We think they're adults and they've got it. And so through this dream, God shifted my thinking. And he started talking to me about people's capacity. 
We talked a little bit about it last week. We talked about being okay with being incomplete. It's just another way to frame it. But understanding that, I had, my mom only was alive a couple years after that. But I had such a great relationship with her for those next two years. She still never spoke to me very much, and she still never interacted with me very much. But I had such grace for her, and I was able to serve her when she came over. And, and I was able to honor her for who she was, not who I expected her to be. Well, now I have a gift. I have a gift of these lenses of grace. God takes those lenses, and he starts walking me through some of my own life some of the things that I have done. And I begin to see that yesterday's capacity is not, it's not where I was five years ago. And it's not where I'm going to be five years from now. But I can have grace for the decisions that I made based on what I knew at that time. And then, of course, that gift, I get to keep that gift. I get to look at you guys in that same capacity. I get to have that grace for you. I get to look at you and see the incompleteness in each one of you and love you just where you are, knowing that in this journey of Christianity, it's, it's not linear, it's more modules. <laughs> and some people, you can have this advanced module, but have missed a whole bunch of stuff in here. And I don't have to judge you according to, oh, you have this university degree and this piece, but you've kind of missed a lot of this. I can just have grace for who you are right here, right now, and encourage you to move forward and into those things. And so, is it 45 minutes yet? <laughs> yeah, four to five minutes, that's what you said, yeah. So that's, that's basically what I wanted to share with you was that those eyes of, eyes of grace and to be able to, especially for the young people, to be able to look at their parents with, with new eyes of grace and just understand, um, you know, they're just basically doing the best they can with what they've got with what they've been given. And, and uh, I mean, most of us have parents. Thank you. You got that. <laughs> and, yeah, so it's just, it's just this, this just simple idea of just being able to look at yourself with those lenses of grace, being able to see that, like I said, who you were compared to who you are and who you are right now, and just have grace for that right now, right here. Wow. You know, just before Jan comes up, I just felt uh, I needed to share because God did the same thing with me, with my father. You know, uh, my parents divorced when they were very young, and there was a lot of abuse in there and stuff like that uh, as a young kid that I had seen. And in fact, me and my father haven't really been in relationship. It's been a hard journey. Uh, But I went and worked with him for a season wanting God to heal that. And I remember when I went to work with him, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And there was a lot of ugliness. Similar stories were just things where it was really ugly. And I just remember how my heart for him was, it was getting ugly. And I remember praying and talking to God about it and just saying, God, like, is this what you really want out of me? And I felt so ugly inside. And, and I finally, I think it took three months of just honestly seeking God and pursuing him. And I remember God did the same thing where he changed my lenses. And I saw my dad in a new way. And he said, you know what, today I'm going to show you how I see your dad. And when he did that, everything changed. Because my dad was a broken, lonely, hurting man that was doing the best he could with how he was grown, grown up and raised. When I began to see all that, my heart went from bitterness, resentments, 
anger and hurt to a place of just pure love. It's freedom for him and it's freedom for me. And so this is a beautiful word, you know, of God change our lenses. Because family dysfunctions, that's in a lot of realms. A lot of people have that. And so, God, can you even start that right now? Like, There's something on that, Father. Change our lenses in the name of Jesus Christ. May we begin to look at people and see people differently. May we not see all the things we do and don't like about them and those things that hurt us. May those not be the things that take our thoughts captive, but may your love for them take our thoughts captive. Jen, come on up. When we were singing Jesus Loves Me this morning, actually just the whole service, um, just such a feeling of the Father's heart. And I just feel like today, obviously, from what's coming out, that the message that God is really wanting to bring to us is his heart. What does a Father's heart look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? How do we process that? And so what I want to do is I just want to share with you what happens when we have lenses that are distorted and um, how we can change that. So um, in Sozo, we have this teaching. It's about atmosphere. And one of the one of the bits of information that we draw from in our Sozo teaching is from a doctor. And she's done a ton of research on the brain and neural tissue and how it behaves in our bodies. And I don't know if you knew this, but we have neural tissue, obviously, in our brain, but we also have it in our heart and we have it in our guts. In fact, we have so much neural tissue in our hearts that often when someone has a heart transplant, they'll begin to remember memories of the donor. So obviously, neural tissue plays a huge part in our lives and in our bodies. So as a child, um, especially from birth up to about age five, we absorb a ton of information and it almost becomes the foundation of how we live our lives. So Murray, as an example, had a difficult childhood and his experience with his mom was not one of nurture. So what happened in his brain was that that piece of his brain that needed nurturing was unable to develop. And because that part of his brain was unable to develop, there was a thought that came into his mind that said, maybe it's my fault that my mom doesn't love me. And so what happens when we have these experiences in childhood and when we begin to think these thoughts is there's these little neurons in our brains that begin to drive their way through our brain and create what's called neuropathways. And so every time that Murray encountered rejection from someone, that little neuron that was attached to the idea that it was his fault that mom didn't love him, that little neuron would fire its way down the neuropathway. What happens when that little neuron is firing down the neuropathway is all these electromagnetic charges are firing through his body and sending all sorts of signals. And so his heart maybe beats faster when he's in a situation where he's feeling rejected. Maybe his pupils are dilated. Maybe his blood vessels are getting bigger. 
maybe as hard as pounding, his back muscles are getting tight. So you can imagine every time if he faces rejection and that little neuron is firing through the neural pathways and his body is responding, that's got to be exhausting from childhood all the way to adulthood to always be feeling these feelings and these physical responses to a thought. Does that kind of make sense so far? So um, what does that have to do with us walking in the spirit? Well, what we know about what happens when those little neurons are firing through our bodies, like, for example, if I walk over to Chris and I reach out my hand and I shake his hand, I I just fired off a bazillion um, magnetic charges to do that. It took a lot of little neurons to do that little act. And so what happens is there is this electromagnetic field that's created around me when I do that. And, and they actually have machines that measure this. So anytime you do something, movement, anytime you think, anytime you're doing the dishes or dancing or blinking or yelling at your kids, not that we do that, but um, there's this electromagnetic field that's created around us. And we know that we can actually create negative electromagnetic fields or positive electromagnetic fields. So if I'm sitting at home in my mind thinking about how frustrated I am that Chris didn't put gas in the van again. Not that he ever does that. (laughs) And, And I'm like stewing on this and I'm bashing around in the kitchen and I'm doing dishes. And well, what do you think is happening? Neurons are firing And there's this electromagnetic field that's being created around me. And it happens to be negative. In the demonic realm, they are attracted to that. So then I start bashing around the house. And this is when the enemy and his demons are attracted to that. And they, they want to come around and they want me to agree with the demonic realm. And so they have me, they suggest to me, man, that, that guy is so annoying, isn't he? Yeah, he's so annoying. <laughs> you know, man, that guy, when he comes home, you should yell at him. Yeah, I should yell at him. And so next thing I know, I'm walking in this very negative life. And Chris walks in the door, hey, how's it going? <laughs> now you can imagine what happens next, right? No, the opposite. If I, if I think life, so remember how both Murray and Chris said their, their thinking towards their parents had to change. They had to think about their parents the way God saw their parents. So if I shift my thinking, Lord, what is it you're saying about Chris? And, and he's going to show me a picture of Chris. And I start agreeing with that. And, and I, I'm starting to speak forgiveness out loud. And I'm starting to let go of resentment, and I'm repenting for my resentment. What kind of electromagnetic field am I creating around myself? Positive. And which realm is attracted to that? Heavenly. So this is really interesting, because what it means that wherever you go... You walk with an atmosphere. Whether you like it or not, 
whether you can see it or not, whether you can feel it or not, you have an atmosphere. So, okay, Cam, come up here for a second. What I want you to do is I want you to just walk past me. Big smile on your face, but you're not going to notice me because you're looking at, um, I don't know, you're going to get a flag. <laughs> okay, so you're not going to notice me. So, oh. Cam didn't even acknowledge me. I feel like um, he doesn't actually super care about me. You know, like, it's almost like, I, I feel like I just, I'm not super loved. Like, I feel like I'm, every time I come to church, I never get acknowledged. I'm so frustrated. Okay, walk past me again, Cam. I'm so frustrated right now. I just feel like I'm so, <laughs> okay, okay, you kind of get the idea. That was sort of dramatic. Thank you, Cam. Well done. When we dwell on thoughts, they affect our emotions, our feelings. And those feelings affect our behavior. So in childhood, when we experience woundedness and we develop themes in our mind, those neuropathways, they're deep and thick and entrenched. So when Cam walks past me and doesn't acknowledge me, and the first thing I think is, oh, I'm so rejected. I'm so unlovable. I don't know why anybody doesn't like me. You know what I mean? Um, that is because I have this little neural pathway in my mind that's probably been embedded since childhood. Or maybe it's something I developed as I got older because of an incident that happened. But ultimately, the only way that I can change my atmosphere, the only way that I can find healing is to change my thinking. Now, here's a little interesting bit of research. You can cause those little neurons in your deeply embedded neural pathways to actually jump out and begin to embed a whole new neural pathway, which to me is miraculous, right? Because how many times have you said this? I want to change, but I can't. I feel like, okay, I've been yelling at my kids all day, and I don't know how to stop because all of a sudden I just get mad and it happens. Or uh, I'm feeling so sad and I just ate 45 donuts, but I just can't stop. Why is that? Well, because those neurons are firing through your neural pathways, and all these electrical messages are making you do this or compelling you to do this. But we can take a little neuron and we can make it jump or arc out and create neural pathways. But you know it was through surrender and inviting the Holy Spirit. They couldn't get it to do it any other way. It was only through surrender. So I think this is a miracle. Because we want to move in the spirit. We want to move in the heavenly realms. We want to encounter God. And we want to create atmosphere around us. If we know that wherever we go, we're carrying an atmosphere that invites the demonic or invites the angelic, we want it to be the angelic. But somehow, it's really hard to do that sometimes. You know, like when we're in worship and we're encountering God, it's like, yeah, I can do this, I can do this. And then you go home and halfway through the week and you're tired and you haven't had lunch yet and you're hangry. And next thing you know, that little atmosphere around you becomes very negative. So this is what we can do to change that. We can surrender, forgive, and invite the Holy Spirit into our brains. And, and you know, I don't know if 
I knew this for the longest time. I just knew that, for instance, that I had rejection issues. So I'd have encounters with people, and I'd walk away feeling sad. And my sadness would influence my behavior. I didn't know how to change that. I just knew I felt sad. I was compelled to change, but that sometimes isn't enough. For Murray and for Chris, the key to their perception being transformed was surrendering to the Father. So today, there was a message that was being spoken to us from heaven, and that was, he loves you. He is your Father, and he cares deeply about you as his child. You know, as Ben was singing over the little children, I kind of felt like I was supposed to sing over all of you. He loves the little children. So there's, there's a commandment that says, if we want to get into the kingdom, we have to be like little children. And little children come and they're like, okay, supper time, okay, bedtime. Well, maybe not. Maybe they don't say, okay, that one. Um, but if we want to change our atmosphere and change our neural pathways, we have to be like little children. We have to come in faith and surrender with open hearts and trust the Father. So I so bless Murray and I so bless Chris for their examples today because sometimes it isn't easy to surrender what you've been doing your whole life, the way you've been thinking your whole life, to take this set of lenses and trade them for a new set of lenses. That can be really hard to do. But with God, we can. We can. So before Ben and Jenna come up, I would like to pray for you. And if you've been maybe struggling with mindsets that are troubling and you know are habitual, if you struggle with behaviors that you are feeling out of control with, if you have a desire to change the um, atmosphere around you, if you know that input is negative often instead of positive, and you desire for it to be positive, I just feel like there is grace today. There's power today to change that. And I would like to pray for you. So, I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I just reach out to your people today in faith. And I just come under the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is our great counselor, our comforter, our guide. And I reach out and I just, Lord, in faith I surrender to you and I allow you to touch into the hearts, but especially the minds of your kids. And I want to declare today in Jesus' name, uh, shift right now. I want to declare today uh, a jumping and an arcing over of those neurons in Jesus' name right now. And so I just want to invite you to just begin to think about those patterns in your life that you've been in agreement with. And just in your heart or whispering quietly, just say, I come out of agreement with them in Jesus' name. And Lord, I invite you to change my thinking. I invite you to show me your truth in Jesus' name. Research says that it takes a month 
to create a new neural pathway. So in a month from now, I want you to report back to me. Just remember that sometimes we have habits that are attached to us. And even if you see a habit sort of still playing out after we prayed this prayer, that's pretty normal. Give yourself a month and see what happens in a month as that new neural pathway is being burrowed into your brain. What you will find is this. Your thinking will change, your feelings will change, and your behavior will change. God bless you. So just, you know, if, if, if you're wondering just how scriptural is that, okay? It is. Romans 12, verses 1 to 3. So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, prevent, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Then we go to verse 2. And what does it say here? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the renewing of your mind is actually one of the functions that the Holy Spirit does. And this doesn't say the renewing of your heart or of your, it doesn't even say soul. It's actually using the word mind very specifically. The Holy Spirit actually rewires the very neural pathways within your brain. So this is fully scriptural. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. She does yell at me, though. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, Ben and Jenna, come on up. Uh, I just am so excited uh, for Ben to come up and Jenna. I love Ben, and I'm so proud of this because, again, I was his youth pastor when he was like 11 years old, all the way up through high school and stuff. And when I see him today, I don't see a kid anymore. I just see a beautiful man of God that has grown so much in his faith. And today he's an elder in our church, and uh, we're just so thankful to have him, him and Jenna. And so let's just welcome them and bless them as they come. I bet he was so cute when he was 11. I didn't get to see it. Was he? I bet he was. Aww. Uh, it's interesting that you brought up the song, Jen, because Petra leaned over to me during worship and said, Mom, why are they singing a kid's song? Don't they know this is a kid's song? And I was like, oh, Petra, you know the difference between Christian kid's songs and adult songs? You know what we feed you. Like, it was actually like this... A bit of a shocker to me. Well, not, but like, oh, okay. And then I just was like, Petra, sometimes adults need to be reminded too that they are loved and that he loves us. It's very clear the words don't change just because it's to a kid's tune. I thought that was significant. Um, But one of the things that the Lord spoke to me during worship, because Benny and I were talking about what we were going to share, and uh, just faithfulness was the word that came up just being faithful. And uh, I was thinking, man, what even makes people want to be faithful to God? What, what actually drives them and motivates them? And um, it's because he's good. But I realized that's not why I have been faithful in my life to God. 
And uh, oh, I feel like this morning was just such a pivotal moment, even when Derek said, uh, God can give you a hug today. I was thinking, man, that is a big deal. Because if today is the first day that somebody's gotten a hug from God, that literally shapes your life. Like, that is a big deal. And um, for me personally, uh, it's like it all flashed before me in a moment. And he was showing me why I've been faithful up until this point in my life. And it's because of where I've come from. And I've been trying so hard to escape the place that I was at before I knew God in my life. That's actually what motivates me and drives me because without God, it is a very empty place. It's a very dark and empty place. Um, I mean, I did have God. I was raised uh, knowing God and going to church, but not having a revelation. So I, should, so I should clarify that because the Lord keeps reminding me of the seed that he had put in me from the beginning. And I'm thankful for that. But um, the moment that I actually got saved, uh, my drive was to move away from that place. And I very clearly heard the Lord say, and I want to word this right, but he said, can you move to a place uh, rather than from being running from a place uh, to escape it, would you start running towards a place? And so rather than being pushed to be pulled, I don't know. Uh, and for me, that's a pivotal thing because um, in the beginning, you run just because you're running away. It doesn't matter where you're heading, you just run. And for me, to be honest, I know a little bit about the goodness of God, but it's not the thing that drives me. And just recently, and I believe it's coming, the Lord wants to reveal his goodness. And I actually remember having a conversation with Tareen, like maybe three or four years ago, and she's like, man, I am just so amazed of the goodness of God. And I'm like, yeah, he's good. And she's like, no, no, I am just so amazed at his goodness. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's good. And I think God was revealing a revelation to her about his goodness at the time that I just didn't get. But I, uh, I guess I'm admitting today, I don't know how good God is. But I am so eager to learn and to find out. And I want it to actually be the thing that drives my faith. Not trying to run away and escape it, but actually to like uh, move because I know that he is good, and he's revealing that he is good. I believe it is a season that he wants to reveal his goodness to his people, to his body, and I want that arc jump. I want to switch from that path to the other path and to move in that direction. So <laughs> I'm not there. I'm actually starting today. I actually believe today is that turning point for me that I want to move to, the, to that, but it's only because he's good. Jenna's incredible. And, um, you know, to give anybody context that doesn't know, I've been at this church since I was nine years old. Kenny B. called my dad when I was 11 and said, I think I need to mentor your son. And then he walked with me all these years. That immediately makes me want to cry, but I'm not Murray. So I'm not, I'm not gonna. He actually has the Murray anointing. <laughs> Lately, I've, like, watched commercials, and this feeling comes up, and it's, like, about nothing. And I'm just like, let it happen. I just cry. Yesterday we put up our Christmas tree and he's just doing something. And he's just staring back and the sun is glistening on his pale skin. And he, I'm like, what are you doing? And he's just like, I'm having a moment. I'm like, what? 
And so I, I've, this is, this is the joy, this is the joy and the terror of this walk in Christ. Um, the joy and the terror of this walk in Christ is you've got to just let it come. And you don't know what that's going to be. And it's not actually for you to hold anything down and to hold anything back. So I feel like I want to actually, I feel like God just wants us to be up here to be an example to you guys of how can you do that? How, well, here we are. We're just standing here and we're going to talk to you and that's hard. Um, I love my wife. She is the greatest treasure in my whole life. And all I ever wanted was um, to meet my wife as soon as I could, being an adult, Jen. You remember, I used to go to hockey games watching Big Daddy Chris with Jen, and I was just turned 18, and I'd be like, Jen, I, I could get married. I'm 18 now. And she'd be like, you got it, Benny. And I, it's, you know, it's all I ever wanted in my heart. And, um, you know, by that point in my life, I, I was a, a pretty wildly confident Christian uh, that was a worship leader. I never swore in high school. And I was a good Christian. He was basically the best. Self-righteous yeah. best. It's true, though. It's true. Like, and, and you know what? God's mercy is good because, you know, there's a lot of pitfalls minus pride that I avoided, uh, which is the worst pitfall. But I avoided a lot of the natural ones of partying and all because I was building this sort of, I'm a Christian guy and this is who I am. All I wanted to, was to meet my wife. That is, so what do you want to do in your life, Ben? I just want to meet the person I'm supposed to be with and then be with them as long as I possibly can. That's a good life for me. Everything else is an addition. And if you know the story of my life, it's literally true. Everything else from this point has been a completely secondary addition. Now, what I love about Jenna, and you guys can feel it. Hey, do you notice the moment she starts talking, there's just this... Uh, Right? There's just this, there's no pretenses. There's no, um, there's no nothing. It's just, she lays herself bare. There's no nothing. (laughs) I am really sucking at exhorting right now. This woman, with this woman, there's no nothing. You know, why do I say, you know, I thought I was somebody. I met Jenna. This is going to sound horrible, too. She's not who I thought I'd end up with. But when I met her, God started to do a work in me just by knowing her. And I always thought that I could change people by being righteous, by being an example of righteousness, and by me talking to people about here's what it means to be a Christian. Here's how you should. Let me challenge you. Let me. This was, this was part of who I was. And then I meet Jenna, who's never had that life. So I'm 19 and she's 18, and she doesn't know a single thing about this whole culture. All she knew is that God saved her. All she knew was that she could only be herself. I felt like I had everything, and I carried it around. And when I met her, all she knew is she said yes to God, and she had nothing to wave around. This is where Jenna began, and Jenna has been... An example in my life of the strength of God. Okay? It's been this breaking down in me of what I think I can do. Because every time I thought I was doing things, I'd watch her do them without trying. And they were ten times as powerful. 
So I'm just reminded of this conversation that we had uh, in the vehicle of his very horrible car. <laughs> he didn't win me with his car. <laughs> that is true. Um, but to give you a, an example, well, we were in the car and I was like, okay, Ben, so like when we're married and we have kids, like we're totally going to do Advent with them, right? And he's like, well, why do you do Advent? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just like what we did in my religion. And I think it would be really fun to do with our kids because I was always projecting in the future. And he's like, you know, if we're going to do this thing, uh, our, our relationship. if we're going to do this, we have to be on the same page, which means we probably should have the same religion, too. And This was about two months into our dating. And uh, uh, basically, the conversation came down to Ben going, uh, are you going? And uh, the Lord spoke through Ben in the first parts of our relationship. I really, uh, it was through this guy that I met the Lord and there was a moment when the Lord was like, oh, okay, you don't have to listen to him as much anymore. <laughs> as, <laughs> that was a really funny day. Thank God. <laughs> um, but basically, and this might sound really harsh, but this is how the Lord had to be with me and in our relationship, because sometimes it's like that. Uh, he said, you either actually have to pick me or your old, your old, ways. Your old ways, like me or what you used to do. Basically, Christianity or Catholicism, what, it was like to put them side by side in that moment. And I just sat there and I'm like, I literally in this moment have to decide to give away everything that I have been raised up, trained in, and believe in some way uh, right now if I want to see my life moving forward. And my answer, what, what did I do? I don't even remember. She paused for about four seconds. Okay. And then we went and got Wendy's. <laughs> and it was actually the thing that I needed to do. That was what, what the faith was. It was, I'm actually going to jump yeah. all into this, not knowing what it is, and go forward. I literally lost all my friends. I, it did cause me to pull away from my family even more than I already was. But I was already very far away from my family. And to see now that the Lord has mended that, is that is the wait time, the patience that you have to walk through to see it now where my family is so close to me. And uh, that was something I never had. And so he's restored things I never even had. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those that have faith, and faith is an action in the natural. Faith isn't, it isn't a hope it isn't uh, uh, an intent of desire. It's an action. It's something where you believe something greater is coming that's bigger than you, that's bigger than life, and you believe it so much in your core that you actually, in the natural, say yes and have things change and shift in your life. The story of Jenna from when I met her is a yes and a yes and a yes and a yes as well. Dear Lord, help us. I have this memory. I have this memory of uh, when we had no money. Um, this guy asked me to go do worship at their church, and he was going to give us like fifteen hundred bucks, which we were like, "Woo!" Down in uh, Brooks, just another exhorting of Jenna. At this, uh, you know, 
anyways, all I'm going to say is I went up and then I was supposed to speak. Absolutely started horrifically floundering for in like the first three minutes. Like everyone knew in just three short minutes. Oh, dear Lord, this guy. And Jenna just steps up and grabs the mic. It's the first time in my life I saw the strength, really, of her. And like preached to these kids for 20 minutes and there's an altar call. And I'm like, because she, she came as mom. I was the big skateboarding worship guy. But the strength lied here. And I believe that someone like Jenna has been an example in my life. Um, I believe Jenna pleases God. I believe that who she is pleases God. And there's something about, I, I have a memory. And so it's been a breaking down of me of, of who I think I am. Um, now, at the same time, I want to bless God for the way he made me in those younger years because I couldn't have ever said to Jenna, this relationship can't work if you don't stick to the faith that I have, right? You can't curse everything that you were, but the way God made me is there was a surety of where he was taking me that I was saying, you either have to come with me or we can't do this. And we honestly stand here today because of that faithfulness, because we would not be in this place. Um, We've seen so much breakthrough. It's literally been I don't know if there's like a day or a month or a year that has gone by that the Lord hasn't asked us to do something crazy. Like if you haven't sat down and talked to us one day to hear what's going on in our life, it, it is wild and it's not my choice. It's not my first choice. And so, but the Lord is bringing breakthrough and I can see it today. I actually can see it today. And the Lord has spoken things three years ago that were actually supposed to happen this month. And this is where um, it gets a little, uh, I don't know. It's God. It's what God says. It's not what we say. So the Lord spoke something even three years ago for us coming up this, this month. And, uh, we're, we're, we're heading there. We're there. We're so close to the, to the word being fulfilled. And just like a couple days ago, the Lord was like, would you do this instead? Would you lay down the word that was given and do this? Wait a second. And you, and you got to, no, that's okay. And you got to know for Jenna that there's something amazing about what she's hoped for when this moment's realized. So for God to actually shift it at the last second is, is gnarly for her. Yeah, the moment is coming and it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, but the Lord just wants to know, will you trust me? Even to see this thing that I've been carrying and hoping for happening, uh, to lay it down. And it's a little counter, it's counter what we should be doing. Even with Benny's work, he has this situation where we can make another shift. And if you know anything about Benny's journey with work, it is constantly shifting. It is a revolving door of things. And we've actually finally settled into somewhere uh, only for a second. Only for a, f- <laughs> for a second. That's, that's not a Lotz word. Settle. Settle. Settle is not a Lotz word. But um, could we lay that down to see? And, and I don't believe the Lord ever asked us to stop being faithful. It's not like you do all the faithful work at the beginning and then you enjoy the peacefulness of it all later. You actually... He's always building and growing. And I mean, if we didn't make those little choices before, we wouldn't be able to make those, the big, huge choices that we're making now because we're making a hard decision. This is aside from the other decision. We're just in the season 
oh, of these choices that we have to make. And uh, there, so Ben makes this choice, and then he has to present this choice. And uh, the next day he gets an offer. Well, he's gotten like three offers to stay in the old, the, uh, the old thing that he was supposed to do. And the Lord just keeps saying, do you trust me? Will you keep moving forward? And then he gets another, uh, has another conversation where they say, uh, and it's regarding work, obviously. Well, what if I give you all of my stuff? Would you still stay? And he's like, that's not what it's about. The Lord has said you have to do this. And that's terrifying because it actually would fulfill the other things that we're, we're being called to, this other three-year word that the Lord gave us. And he's saying, no, would you just lay it down and be faithful? So there's a constant refresh button that God is wanting to click daily for us. And that's, I mean, renewing of your mind, but your life. This is the most hopeful and depressing thing about the kingdom all at the same time, right? I've, I, you know, God, you told me to do this, and in faith I showed up, and I, it, I in a human being action, I, I did something, and you're faithful. And then we want to go, and that's how you work. And then we make a little shrine right here of, of him and how we did it. And then immediately once the shrine's here, we step back and we settle. And God goes, I've never called you to settle, ever. This is depressing, okay? Like it's hopeful, but it's depressing. I've never called you to settle, ever? No, okay? Like you sleep in the natural, but we labor to rest, but the rest is in him. My food is to do the will of my father. I rest in him. I don't, you know, I keep thinking of the matrix. I watched it with Matt, Matt the other day. You know, he's doing that giant workout and they're doing karate. That's a horrible example, but they're doing all that stuff. And, you know, he's breathing hard and he just leans in and goes, you think that's air you're breathing? My food is to do the will of my Father. I will not rest. And it's, guys, it's a, it's a really hard life because you want to rest. Oh, my dear Lord. You know, when you say yes to God in your life, when you say that my life's not my own, when you say that God, I truly, you know, I love worship, guys. I've done this my whole life. And I sing songs to God. I surrender. I give it to you. But listen, to actually do it is way different then singing it on Sunday morning, it's not enough. It's just not enough. And that's coming from a bona fide worship leader all these years. It's just not enough. That's just, that's just the like, yeah, that's a good idea. And I promise you Monday or Tuesday, God is going, okay, let's do it. And that, that is the refresh button. God is constantly clicking a refresh button. The thing is, we don't want him to. It's in our nature. I just made this. And look, you made it good. Why would I click? When you click refresh, the page is reloaded. All that data is completely done. And if somebody updated the page, you lose what you had. You know, it's like writing an email. And you write this whole huge email down. And you put all this thought and all this effort into it. And it's like four paragraphs long. And it has to do with your future. And it's to a boss. And then you you know where you press back by accident? And you lose the whole email. Do you know that feeling? Anybody? It's a brutal feeling. Welcome to the kingdom. 
I'm really sorry. But there's an amazingly hopeful thing about that, that I don't have to write my emails. That's the joy of it. That is the joy of it. He writes the emails. He brings the content. He has the breaks and the periods and the parentheses. This is the hopeful thing. But we, in our lives, want to write the emails. We want this. Thank you, Lord, for a metaphor. That's great. But we want to write the emails. We want the content. We want to send it and have someone say, you sent that. But God's actually making it. He says, listen. If you just show up and be yourself, and this is the hardest thing about being a Christian and walking in the kingdom, you can only be you today, like Mary said. You can only be you today, and that, that's hard. It's really hard, but my goodness, the joy of knowing, like there's this transfer over, and I feel it, and Mark's been talking about it for years There's this transfer over where you write, you know, you're used to writing all your own emails and and the refresh, because you sing a song or something, God, click refresh on my life. And your email's gone. You know that, you're like, oh, life is hard. Oh, I got to write this email all over again. And then he clicks refresh again. There's a transfer over happening, and I believe this is where all of us are. I believe this is where the body of Christ is. This is for everybody. Your life is not your own. Like teenagers, I was 17, and I remember saying to the Lord, I don't care about the white picket fence. I don't care about looking good. I don't care about the right path for my life. If it's not the will of God for my life, I don't want it. And I remember I meant it. And you guys can make that commitment in your life. And God has directed our life down to me meeting my wife. It was him. I thought I was going to honestly meet some blonde-haired, blue-eyed pastor's daughter because I was righteous and deserved a pastor's daughter. It's, it's absolutely horrible. And yet, because God had a hold on my life, I remember, and I wrote in a little book, you know what, God, you know me better than I know myself. And even down to the person I'm going to spend my life with, I give it all up. I could show you the writing. And it was literally shortly thereafter that because I'm neutral, because my life's not my own, because I'm not the one writing the own email to myself, (laughs) that's hilarious, the good things come. I feel like my heart and our heart, because we are in leadership in this body, it is our cry of our heart for our body to walk in faith. That is the cry of our heart to see our body be healthy and to walk in faith. And so I, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to make, I know we all actually have these stories in our life, these faith stories that God's brought us through. Like these are just our silly little stories. But when we come together, there's actually a corporate thing. And I believe it's what we're about as a body. We're faithful. And so I don't know how we can do that even today to represent that. But if we Um, I want to press into that. And I actually feel like we should prophesy some things. I don't, like, can we do that? Is that possible? Can we all, like, stand up? I don't. All right. So let's lean into the Lord. He's, He's writing the email. He's writing the story here. God, you're doing something for us and in us that is completely sovereign, that we actually don't have ownership over. And it's beautiful. There's a relinquishing life that God has called us to where nothing is truly your own. Nothing I have is my own. 
If we could all say that, nothing I have is my own. And there, as, as you say it, you feel actually something in your flesh drop off because it's true. You know, we toil and we work and we create these lives, but we all know it's not ours. Let's just say that again. Nothing I have is my own. So I'm just seeing that as we do this, even what Jen was talking about, about the body, uh, our bodies and our brains and the, the arcing and the mental pathways, I'm seeing that you want to actually do that in the body of Christ. And so, God, I ask that you would give revelation to us here. And as we each press through personally uh, into these breakthroughs in our thinking and the atmosphere, I, I believe, God, that you're also showing the picture on a bigger scale of the actual body of Christ, that you're intending that these neuropathways that have been built into the fabric of, of the body of Christ, you are renewing and transforming the body of Christ. You are asking that the body of Christ be renewed and transformed. And I just see walls coming down. I see pathways interrupted. I just, I feel like I need to speak specifically to the children. And I believe that the Lord is breaking through the pathways of what the children mean in the church. And uh, even with Petra saying that about, well, that's a kid song and there's adult songs, even the differentiation. There is not a jun junior Holy Spirit. They don't receive a different Holy Spirit than us. And so God, I pray that you would rework the thinking of the body of Christ right now. Can we just press into that? If it's on a personal level that you need to press in, uh, press in at a personal level. If it's a corporate uh, uh, body of Christ thing, press into that as well. Can we just go there for a second? I feel like the Lord just wants to release words about this because it is actually an action that he's asking for us to do. It is an action to happen. Uh, so I'm reminded that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when Murray gave his testimony and when Chris gave his testimony, God gave the new perspective. God gave the new way of seeing. So, God, I just declare that over this body we will have a new way of seeing that is in align with my alignment with your word. God, I pray that we would be people that would be able to hear your word. And you said... You said, my sheep will hear my voice. And so I declare over this place that we are his sheep and we hear his voice. And from the words that he gives, from the pictures that he shares with us, we will align our hearts and our minds with that. And you will change us in Jesus' name. I just want to speak. There is a yielding that has been gone, ac gone across all the nations of the world. And the st sentence over that is that God in this season will do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. God in this season will do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. So we declare this is who you are over the church. Now, there's a joy that comes when you start to realize that you don't have to write emails any longer in your life. It's hard to let go of it. It's hard. You get frustrated when the page is refreshed. You get frustrated because you feel like you have to write it all over again. But what God's actually starting to release is you don't have to. I'm trying to show you you don't have to write these anymore. At some point you said, God, I'm done writing emails. And so he said, well, I'm just going to keep clicking refresh. But there's a joy that comes. And it's what Di just said. He will do the work that he says he's going to do. And there's a joy. There's actually this joy that comes where you're like, I don't, I don't have to do that anymore. That's incredible. Oh, God, we bless you.
And I just felt like the Lord gave me two different words. One of them was for those that have come to the church today and um, you feel like you'd be defined as the older group. Um, And I felt that you came to church today wondering and almost despairing if there was anything for you. Um, that there was sort of a message that you've absorbed in your minds that you've reached sort of that age where you don't contribute anymore, you're not valuable anymore, you're so set in your ways you're not even sure if you're going to make it to the promised land. Um, I want to tell you what I hear from the Lord for you, and that is that he had you come here today to speak to you and let you know that he's given you a young mind a young heart, and a false spirit. And that anything that has been stopping you in your mindsets from reaching freedom, God is going to heal. He's going to heal. He's going to give you what you need. He's going to give you stamina. He's going to give you truth. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you authority. He's going to give you life in the fullest way today. Um, And I also just see that some of you have a fear of dementia and Alzheimer's. And I want to say that God is protecting your brain. You will not walk in confusion. You will not walk in fear. Your brain is not going to be cloudy. You're not going to be stopped from fulfilling the destiny that God has written into your DNA today. So I break off that curse right now in Jesus' name in this house that we are going to have pure minds and pure hearts that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, uh, um, but uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. Thank you. Okay, the other one was for the youth. I just wanted to say that I felt like the Lord... um, told me today that sometimes when you go into your schools, you feel overwhelmed by the atmosphere there, um, and you feel intimidated, and sometimes you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders when you're there. And right now, I just think that God wants to give you a picture of how close Jesus is with you when you go into the schools, that he doesn't leave you when you walk in the doors of the school. You're not alone that Jesus walks with you. He's your best friend. And the verse that I wanted to speak over you was actually this one. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I just want to say that you can actually walk into dark places and be light. And that doesn't mean that there's pressure on you to perform, but it's just Jesus is the light of the world, and his light fills your schools. And so I just want to break off fear over you intimidation, and despair and depression in Jesus' name. And I just speak life over you. Uh, One thing that I hear the Lord saying for that older generation, and this is a a word of hope, you're not done because I'm not done. And to anyone that will say yes, I will pour out my spirit upon them. And you will have the life of Christ inside of you. There's There's such an ease in that that I can hear if that's it. Now, Jenna just said something to me, and I think this is really good. Um, She said that there are Christians in here, uh, and, you know, we usually think for the young people, you know, sign on to God in your journey, but there's Christians here that have never actually signed that contract with God that says, I will walk this journey unto you. It was actually that 
we have our salvation, we've been saved, but we never signed the contract of the faith journey, the faith walk. And I just, I, I felt it for the young adults and the youth that if you feel like even today that that's, today is the day that you want to say, today I sign that contract, today I say, because you've been raised up as children in the faith, you've known, you've watched your parents, but there is that moment when you actually make the choice uh, that that happens. And so you have to do that. No one else can do that for you. But I actually believe I was also feeling that for the adults. There's like 50-year-olds that have never signed on to the faith. It's not, too late. it's not too late. There is a contract that you can sign, and it's like accelerated. It's not like you miss. It's the module thing that Murray was talking about. That literally just opened my brain to a million things of me feeling disqualified in my life and all this. When Murray said that, it was like this nugget of truth. And so we do not have to feel ashamed when we haven't completed a module. It's not like you're condemned because you, you do this timeline of things. It's actually, there's a module here, there's a module here, there's a module here in life. And we break down that idea that it's like grade one, grade two, grade three, grade four, grade five. It's actually module, 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 module. When I, in my 30s, that's when I really had a relationship with the Holy Spirit and learned how that. In my 40s, that's when I really touched on healing and signs and wonders. When I was four, that's when I really learned about this prayer. You know, like it's really all over the place in our timeline. We don't get to plan that. So I'm saying today in all humility in, in us where we feel like we haven't signed that contract of faith, the faith walk, that we would do that. And it doesn't matter if you're in the group that Jen is talking about right now. Uh, if you feel the boldness and you want the prayer, we want to encourage you just to come up to this side and we're going to pray for you right? We want to just agree with you in this because this is a pivotal moment in your journey. And to make this declaration with God that I choose you, not because of my parents anymore, not because I grew up in the church, but because I choose you. It's a very key moment in your journey. And we obviously want to pray with with you. So I'm going to encourage you just to come over here. But anybody else who just wants prayer, we want you to come over here. We don't want to leave anybody behind today. And we're going to have people pray for you. just want to make it clear that, 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 that on this side here, that's not just for youth. I mean, yes, absolutely youth, but it's everybody. Uh, as Jenna was just saying, if you are someone who, who has said, you know, actually I've been a Christian most of my life, but I've never actually, like, committed to walking in faith and growing in the Lord and, 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 and living in the Holy Spirit, then you are welcome to come up. This is family. And I just want to say thank you to the family for sharing their hearts. And I learned from family today. And this is what family does is we get to learn from one another that young and old still have something from the Lord to share with us. And today I learned something from each person that came up here, which is what the kingdom of God is all about. And so, Father, we thank you for the family of Jesus Christ, that we could come before you today, that we could worship you, we could praise your name, God, because you are worthy of all your praise, God. And, Father, we thank you for your children who have declared the word of God, who have shared their testimonies of how they've overcome, how they've been transformed in so many ways, God. And, Father, you're not finished yet. You want people today in this house to have that connect with you, God, that they've never fully had. And so, God, we just pray today that your will would be done in this house in the name of Jesus Christ, and that as people leave, that you would walk with each and every one with them, one of them, God, that you would guide them in everything they do, and that we would all be reminded of what Ben said. Worship doesn't end here. Praise doesn't end here. It continues tomorrow, tonight, uh, 
the next day, the next day, God, teach us to constantly be in communication with you, declaring that you are a good God. And we love you in the name of Jesus Christ.